Welcome to Ladies Roadmap. Are you finally at the point in life where you actually have a little time to think about yourself? What does that look like? If you're ready for positive change and an enriched life, then come along as we take you inside the stories of thought-provoking guests who reveal their knowledge, experience, reinvention, and an overall passion to live a full, beautiful life. Yes, expect to uncover your deepest self and turn your dreams into reality. Hello, ladies, and welcome to Ladies Roadmap. Today, we're in Los Angeles at the beautiful Stanton and Company public relations firm with the with the founder, Amy Stanton. But today, we're here to talk about Amy's new book, The Feminine Revolution, 21 Ways to Ignite the Power of Your Femininity for a Brighter Life and Better World. I know, Lana, we are just captivated by this book. We're so excited to be here. Yes, it resonated so deeply with us. We think you ladies are definitely bringing a new conversation to a topic that needs to be discussed more, the power of femininity, but also you really have a new lens, you you know, you put a new lens on on it. So welcome, Amy. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, but also to give us the philosophy behind the feminine revolution. You know, when you when you see the title and you hear the title of the book, it, your mind has an expectation of it. And then as soon as you get in, you realize it's really that subtitle, the 21 ways to ignite the power of femininity that really talks mm-hmm. about it. And you so eloquently write, and if I may quote, the feminine revolution challenges outdated perceptions that femininity and displaying feminine traits such as emotionality, vulnerability, and being nurturing is considered weak. So will you tell us your thoughts on femininity, the definition of femininity, and why you believe in leaning in to your authentic feminine self? Well, just to take a step back, the reason... I even started thinking about it was because of my own personal experience and feeling like maybe things were out of balance. We talk a lot about work-life balance, but not about how we're balancing our qualities, our masculine and feminine qualities. And I started feeling like I developed this really powerful work existence, work Amy, which may have been more direct, more assertive, sometimes tough. And that serves me. And those were modeled after my male mentors and male bosses, which makes sense. And many of us have developed these more masculine qualities in order to thrive in a man's world in the workplace because historically all the leaders were men. But I was feeling like maybe I was also bringing those same qualities into my personal life. And maybe I had lost touch with some of my more feminine qualities, which in some ways are more me. So my emotionality, my sensitivity, the fact that I cry easily. And so it began. Yeah. And we started this exploration. I started this exploration wondering why there were so many conversations going on around feminism, female empowerment, equal rights, all of which are really important, but nobody was talking about femininity. I mean, actually, I am really surprised when we read this book, we're like, aha, you know, Lana and I, we feel like we're girly girls. We love to dress up and we love to be feminine, yet we feel very strong and confident as women. Mm. And we're both uh, independent business owners. Yes. So th- this is why we're going to have this conversation today, and it's such an exciting conversation to have. 
But before we dive into the book, I would love to hear about how in your, you and your co-author, uh, Catherine Connor, how did you guys come together and what spurred the two of you to want to explore this topic about femininity? Yes. So Catherine and I were introduced by a mutual friend. And so after I started having these questions about whether I was out of balance, I started talking to lots of women. And my friend Jimmy said, oh, you must meet this woman, Catherine, that works with me because she's very passionate about this as well. And she was formerly a women's studies academic and, and actually professor. And so she knew the history of all things women. And we had a really stimulating breakfast that could have gone on for all day <laughs> and practically did. And at that moment, I remember thinking, okay, great. This, and this was five years ago, by the way. So a lot of, this is the very beginning. And I said, oh, I'll definitely want to involve Catherine in some way. And then every year we stayed in touch. And every year I said, this is the year that I have to write this book. And then finally, two years ago, she and I had another meal. And I said, let's just do this together. Because Dive clearly in. every year I was going to keep saying, let's do this. And, and in some ways, maybe the accountability was really the missing piece. Mm. And also... There's something really powerful, and obviously the two of you recognize this because you're doing this together, yes. but there's something really amazing about building something important like this with another woman, and this, this Catherine would refer to it as a sisterhood, oh, and definitely. we definitely grew and learned so much from each other because we come from really different backgrounds and in some ways different perspectives, but our overall vision was aligned, which was that this was an important conversation that needed to be Well, and here you are. Initiated. I mean, you're fulfilled in your business. You have a great business. Obviously, you're successful. But I think, like you said, like us, you, you had a passion to connect even more. And that's why we did this, was to connect with fabulous women mm. like yourself and Sheila Darcy, who connected you to us. And when women are come together and they bring that power that you're talking about, there's no denying it. And um, one of the things that you, know, you said a minute ago that I was interested in, well, let me, let me go back. I know I saw something where you talked about as a child you would cry easily and you were sensitive. Mm. And we're all to told many times when we're young girls, if you're too sensitive or you cry too much, you're too sensitive. And you say, own it. And I love that because I've been married forever and I married a very alpha male who was older than I was and still is, obviously, <laughs> older than me and very alpha. And I found, and I, and I was never a real aggressive personality anyway. But I did find out when you push... When you push against that alpha, boy, it comes back even harder. <laughs> and I learned very early on to, to just stay more in the less aggressive. And mm. it has actually helped me in my business. You know, I'll deal with a client that might be kind of yanking me around. And instead of getting aggressive with them, a lot of people look at me and they'll say, why are you doing that? You're being so easy on them. Because in the end, mm. you get more flies with honey. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that you're not assertive. And, that's not, and like you're saying in the book, you're not saying to not be assertive. But you're saying to accept these, these 21 powers. And let's talk about some of those. Yes. You nailed it. You definitely get the concept. There's no question about well, it. Well, I love this book, and I believe that this book is going to be a bestseller for sure if it is not already. But, but did we really hear your definition of femininity? Well, the definition of femininity is all things 
that align with a woman. I mean, that's the literal definition. It's funny if you look it up in the dictionary, it tells you nothing. So I've never looked it up that's before. Part of what's funny about it, it's that's we've we're all defining it for ourselves, and it's one of the things that we say loud and clear is that every person's definition of femininity would be unique, and we're not trying to prescribe a way of being feminine mm-hmm. for other women. We're saying here's a bunch of qualities that we may be repressing or suppressing or ignoring or feeling embarrassed by because we perceive them as weak when in fact they're powerful. Well, and you got all the quotes. You, she's got where she says we talk to you talk to a lot of people yes. and she's got quotes all in the book from women uh, from all walks of life really yes. and some very famous women as well. Say, speaking of that, were there any of these quotes as you talked to women? Did any of them surprise you or were they as expected? Well, part of what we wanted is for this not just to be a perspective from me and Catherine, but also represent a wide variety of points of view and definitions and experiences. And that's part of what was so exciting about it because whether things were surprising or not, a lot of the women I actually knew that we interviewed and the ones that I didn't I felt like I really got to know because it's a pretty intimate conversation to be having and it really does say a lot about how someone feels in themselves. This is really all about allowing your authentic self to shine through. So again, for each person that's going to be different and there were things that came across as either sort of cultural culturally specific experiences that were interesting or sometimes even when talking to people that I thought I knew really well, or I do know really well, they had things to say that were provocative. And I, I loved that. I mean, that was definitely, for me, probably one of the most fun parts of the whole process was doing the interviews. And like you, yeah. I just love connecting <laughs> with people fun. and feeling like we can kind of go deep on these topics and hear what people care about and what they're thinking about. Super fun. That actually could be a great... Uh, Conversation starter at a dinner party, wouldn't it be? To go yeah, around. just to ask each person what they feel about it. Let's talk about some uh-huh. of the 21. <clears throat> One of them that I wanted to start with that <clears throat> I think every woman can relate to is gossip. And you all talk about gossip and how it's been around for centuries. Tell us your thoughts what, as you researched about gossip, where you came with these thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because that was actually one where Catherine and I had a lot of conversations about it and even some debate because each of the 21 qualities are framed as the negative stereotype front and center and then turning that on its head. So showing why gossip, as an example, has been perceived as feminine and why it's been perceived as weak and then turning that on its head and showing that it's actually powerful. Mm -hmm. So naturally there's a negative version of gossip. Sure. And that's why I resisted even using the word. We didn't end up using gossip even in the title chapter, the chapter of the the title chapter, the (laughs) title of the chapter, because we felt like that was... I can't endorse a chapter that's encouraging women to gossip because I have negative connotations of it. But the fact is that women being able to connect with each other and talk through things and share stories, it's such an important part of how we exist. And it allows us not only to connect with other people more deeply, but it allows us to unload things and move through things. And so we do create the distinction between 
talking about someone behind their back in a way that's not productive and more productive form of gossip. So we were able to move through it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I loved it because you talk about how it has been part of what has gathered communities of women. It's like a solidarity of women. And and you think about it, you know, maybe like we were talking on the way up here, you know, you're talking about someone where you're talking about someone just had... Um, maybe breast cancer and what you could do to help them or they went to this. So there's lots of ways to talk about people that could be considered gossip, but it is positive. So if you keep it in the right frame, and what do they say? There's a saying, um, people who talk about other people negatively, it's usually because they don't have enough going on in their lives. So just stay busy. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> stay, stay fulfilled and focused. But um, anyway, no I thought doubt. that was an interesting chapter. All right, another one of the 21... Uh, subjects was owning your intuition. And I love that one because I feel like I'm very much of an intuitive person. And I think most women do have that. We, we listen to our gut, hopefully. I could not agree with you more about the fact that A, it's super important and B, we all have incredible intuitive powers. The issue is that again, it's something that's historically been dismissed. It's been perceived mm-hmm. as, as, sort of subpar to the more quantitative evidence and solid feedback that allows a more masculine approach to decision-making. So we're saying own your intuition, study it, lean into it, observe it. And actually, one of the things you have to do in order to do that is encourage those around you to do the same. I mean, in the context of work, one of the things I do is sometimes people will come into my office and ask me, to solve a problem for them. And I say, what do you think? And they have to use their gut instinct because there's no right answer. Maybe it's what's the right amount of money we should be asking for for this retainer or what's the right amount of money that we should be, whatever. It could be any number of things. And then more times than not, the answer that they come back with will be very similar to what I would have said because they use their gut. But sometimes you need encouragement to do that. Yeah. You know, we're, and we're not suggesting go into a meeting and without any other evidence say, I'm just going to go with my gut on this one. Mm-hmm. We're saying that when you use your intuition in conjunction with all the other information, it's incredibly powerful. And it easily can be a way of making decisions. And we should rely more heavily on it. We should trust it. And we should recognize that, in fact, this is one of our biggest superpowers. Well, and you say when you, you know, really focus on how your body feels and Mm. pay attention to those random thoughts. That random thought came into your head for a reason, most likely, and feel, how, how do you feel when, when you say something or someone says something to you? How do you feel it in your body? It's really an important fact. And, you know, that's back to that whole thing where they say everything that happens to you stays in your muscles. It stays mm. in your body. Mm. And that's why a lot of people have to do a lot of different therapies to get over trauma. You have to get it. You have to move that energy. So there's something to all that. So you need to pay attention and you need to take take note of that, of those feelings I think that you have. I, I love this because it's so, sometimes it comes across as such a woo-woo exactly. kind of thing. And I love that you're saying, this is real. Yeah, and own it. Own it, yeah. Definitely. I, Yes, I mean, because again, that's what you're saying is exactly what the negative perception was, that this is just a, a flighty, you know, an easy way to kind of, I guess, in a way, make 
your decision that you're you're making a decision based on what you want to do versus yeah. the facts. And but you're it's not, not. Yeah, you're you not know? digging deep enough into the facts, right? right? But it couldn't be further from the case. In fact, I honestly would say that more times than not, your intuition is going to be more right than the numbers on the page. But it's really our recommendation ultimately is to use those two things hand in hand. Right, you sure. Know? Sure. Because we're picking up on so many cues all the time. And, you know, this goes to another one of the chapters, which is about sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And so historically, yes, I was sensitive as a kid. And my mom would say, Amy, you're being so sensitive or stop being so sensitive. Not uncommon, by the way. Then in the workplace, stop being so sensitive. Get that feedback and performance reviews occasionally. Don't take things personally. I feel like that's pretty common. And so what does it do? It causes us to build this shell, build this armor, and feel like we can't show that side of ourselves. And ultimately, the sensitivity is one of the most powerful things that I have. It allows me to sense what's happening in a room. It allows me to sense what my employees need. It allows me to sense why this guy had this response to this thing that I just said and why maybe that wasn't a positive thing and how I can address it. So I think the sensitivity and intuition go hand in hand. But again, instead of dismissing it and saying, oh, this is just a an overreaction or an over-response, we should be saying, you know what? If someone says you're being too sensitive, you should say thank you. I just have to cut in here. I, I'm freaking out. I'm actually getting chills. Well, my daughter is very sensitive. I'm actually not a sensitive person. I'm actually... And my whole, I'm pretty tough cookie. In my whole life, I always told my daughter, "Don't use tears, use words." Now all of a sudden, Brene Brown's coming out with her (laughs) Brene Builderly book. So now she feels guilty. I do, and I'm saying, here's another thing interesting. A woman came into my life recently, this young woman, and she, she, she and I sort of became friends. And she sent me out of the blue this video, and it's by a doctor, and she's done a study on sensitivity. So this is coming out now that sensitivity is a real thing and that you need to own it. And that was just this big light in my head. And all Mm. of a sudden I went to my daughter and I had to do this whole thing with her and say, hey, I want to tell you I was wrong (laughs) and I wanted to tell you I'm going to respect your sensitivity from now on. Oh, I love that story. You get a lot of credit, by the way. Um, Oh, yeah. It's true because not everybody would even bother with it. You know, because again, this is the conditioning. Me. It's it the is. conditioning, yes. societal conditioning that we shouldn't be too sensitive and that crying is a waste of time. And yeah, that I'm, I'm thinking I probably read it in some kind of child rearing book, <laughs> you know? And now the new ones are going to come out differently, I hope, because of yes. these conversations you're bringing out to the table. Well, and you're also, you're inevitably reflecting back the way you feel. You know, so for you, because you don't respond to things that way, you can't relate to it. Right. It's hard. For, and that's part of what we need to do as a culture is create Everyone. an acceptance yes. for not only the variety in general of our the way we show up emotionally, but but an openness to the fact that, okay, this person is sensitive. And how do we help that person operate in a productive way using the sensitivity versus taking things personally all the time. It's probably made you an amazing business manager of all these girls. She has all these girls working in this office. And I bet you're really, that's why they're all here and they all look happy because you're probably really good at it. And I bet this book helped you. Writing this book helped you. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, I think that there are so many things that reflect the way that I try to show up in the world in the book. But then it's a journey when you write a book because you're living it and there's so many things we all can work on. And so I've been working on leaning into certain things and I'm more acutely aware of them 
than ever. And there's so many examples of where in the workplace it shows up. So for example, crying, which is another one of my favorite chapters because I am a crier. I've always been a crier. My whole family is criers. (laughs) And it goes hand in hand with my sensitivity, of course. But in the workplace, it's certainly not traditionally considered a great thing to cry. But what I always say is when you wake up in the morning, the last thing you're doing is going, I hope I burst into tears in my boss's (laughs) office today. (laughs) That's not how it happened. Mm -mm. Okay, so you lose control. What typically ends up, and that's human. We should say that loud and clear. It's human to cry. Very. And it's human when your emotions get the best of you. And that's okay. And we've tried to bottle it up and say that it's not okay and that we're going to fix it. But the reality is those emotions need to come out. There actually are physical benefits of crying. And there are clubs in Japan where men go to cry because they recognize that it's physically beneficial. But as it pertains to the workplace, instead of flipping out about the crying itself, whether you're on the crying side or the receiving end, what if you can use that opportunity to actually create more of a connection? to deepen your relationship with the other person. So if you're crying, it inevitably it's easy to get caught up in the fact that, oh no, I'm crying. This is a disaster. The world's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. That's a typical reaction. But what if instead you go, okay, I wish I weren't crying right now. This is in your head. But you say to the other person, the reason I'm feeling so emotional right now is because I really care about this job. Mm-hmm. Or the reason I'm crying is because I thought we were going to be having a conversation about this and then it ended up being about this. Or the reason I'm crying is because I'm exhausted. Yeah. And all of those things help the other person see you. I think men a lot of times, though, get very defensive or it, they feel like you're, it's a little bit of an attack on them when a woman starts to cry because they don't, they're, oh my gosh, now I've made her cry. So, so if you explain it a little bit better, yes. that's going to make a difference. But I just have to tell you how I got to use your book today. I got to use your book today. So my... Uh, son's girlfriend who's 29 years old and a go-getter. She just quit her cush job with a company with a with a company she's been with for years and she's going off on her own as an entrepreneurial spirit and she's got her investors and she said, oh, I feel so bad when I called Evan, that's my son, yesterday after I quit my job and they've just been my family for all these years and I was just crying and crying and I, I cried and I felt so bad. I said, wait a minute. This book I'm reading, you've got to read it. I said, <laughs> if you didn't cry, there'd be something wrong with mm. you. You, Those were your family. Mm. You've been with those people day in for the mm. last, what, five years? Of course you cried. So she just can't wait to, can't wait for this book, to read oh, this book. But that makes me so yeah, happy. Yeah. I mean, this book is really going to help people. I really, truly believe that. And I now want to get to the next, next, 20, next of the 21. <laughs> so moving right along. We have to go, we have to kind of correlate this a little bit. So Jamie and I wrote a, a women's journal, roadmap journal, and the, the, our big preface, preface, preface of this whole journal is to get women dreaming and mm. thinking about their desires again. Mm. So again, reading your book validated mm. what we think was is so important, and that is you say the connection between dreaming and doing is so important. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, another great example of of something that's been perceived as a weakness, being too much of a dreamer, having your head in the clouds, mm. not having your feet on the ground, you know, and again, that's been considered coded feminine mm-hmm. historically. So, we're saying how does anything great happen if 
It doesn't start somewhere. It starts with a dream. That's where big stuff begins. So what can we do instead of judging ourselves and thinking, oh, I've just wasted so much time today just dreaming or not doing something productive? What if instead we reward ourselves for that and we go, you know what? I'm so glad I actually took the time to create some opening and some space for, to think big. And, and as a business owner and someone who it's so easy to get caught up in the minutiae. And by the way, it's important, that minutiae. We have a chapter called Be Controlling because that minutia is important too. And being controlling, being detail-oriented, we may be given a hard time for it, but it's super important. But the big picture stuff, is whether it's personally or professionally, right. so important in terms of progress. And, and that could be, again, in the context of your own personal life, thinking, where do I want to be? Yeah. That, Where I do mean, I want to live? Yeah. What do I want to do? You know, we are making these choices all day, every day. Anyone who ever feels like a victim, they're not. We are making choices. I mean, it, that cannot be true 100% of the time because there are some things that happen out of our control. But more times than not, let's say we're not happy in our job. We're choosing every day to go into that job. We could choose tomorrow to find a new job. Right. So instead of going in and not feeling good about it, why don't we turn that around and allow for some dreaming and allow for some accountability around the fact that I am choosing all aspects of this day. And maybe I need to look at my life. And that's when, when creativity happens and when change happens, a lot of times is when you're, you have a pause. And sometimes you're forced into a pause. That's how Ladies Roadmap, this podcast came, podcast came to happen, is we took a pause, which we hadn't had for years, and decided that we needed a little bit more, just like you did, a little mm. bit more connection, a little bit more in life. And mm. if, if we hadn't taken that pause, I'd just still have my head down Work, 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 working in my other business. Right. So easy for that to yeah. be the case. Yeah, and my life all has opened up. Hasn't your life opened up mm. since you wrote this book? Yes. That was another question we wanted to ask you is, how has your life changed? Well, I, I think first and foremost, I am generally inspired by new challenges. That's always been the case. So if things make me uncomfortable... I have enough life experience to know that's a good thing. Right. You know, many people avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I yeah. say, let's give it a shot because it's a new challenge, new experience in every possible way. And I'm really, really fortunate that I grew up with grandparents and parents that made me feel like anything's possible. Many of them are entrepreneurs, many of them have built things themselves. But the spirit of anything's possible was everywhere. So, that's why I felt like I could start my own business. That's why when this, I was struck by lightning and felt that this book needed to be written, I was confident I could do it because it's not, and, and people don't know that that's possible, but it really is. It's like with everything, just putting one foot in front of the other. So the process has been amazing because it's allowed me to connect with so many people. And I think that's been a really fun and really meaningful part of the process. Um, and then, yeah, it's made me more aware in my day-to-day -day life and how I'm showing up. And again, I'm practicing these things. You got to practice what you preach, that's right. for sure. And sometimes I'll have a conversation which will make me think differently about one of these things and I'll go, huh, I, maybe I need to actually revisit it because we're all practicing in life. Yeah. And it's a gift to be able to, you know, and to be aware of it enough to actually practice it. So, you know, one of the, <laughs> going back to the beginning, I was feeling like I was showing up in my personal relationships in at least some of the time where I the guys would end up 
saying they want to be with a strong woman and then eventually being resentful about the fact that either was either an entrepreneur or that I was a strong yep. woman, whatever. It ended up coming back too to busy bite for me. Them. Yeah. <laughs> or or, you know, too much of a planner or whatever it is, you know. I mean, I am who I am to a degree. However, being more aware of how important it is, and I know I talk about this in the book, for me to feel taken care of mm-hmm. and to be able to admit that and to be vulnerable in that way um, has changed my dating life in a good I way. I bet, I bet. And ultimately... I, I really want you to expand <laughs> on that because what she just said, I don't know if you guys really get what she just said. Amy is admitting that she really wants to be taken care of. Now, that's not really... We don't talk about that as women. I mean, mm. again... I really appreciated that part of the book because mm. that's very vulnerable. All of it is vulnerable, actually. That's the weirdest thing about this. I, I didn't realize people were actually going to read this while I was going to putting my one foot in front of the other. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God, people yeah. I know are going to read this book. But that was one of the things that was a kind of a realization as I was writing is that that's, that is kind of amazing to even be able to say it and to have such clarity around it. And it's not that I'm not capable of taking care of myself, but I really, truly want to be taken care of. But we're talking about love right now, and I really wanted to bring up this one part of the book, and it's called Love Fully. And you share a story where you went on a cruise ship and you met this wonderful man, and I'm going to let you take it from there. (laughs) Yes, so one of the things that in general I'd say this is about, the book, is about, I believe femininity is about being versus doing. So allowing yourself to take that pause, allowing yourself to be present. For me, that's a big part of it. Slowing down, bringing more grace to situations. And it's been a real practice because I'm a doer. You know, I've always been a doer. And it doesn't, and those things go hand in hand. You know, we all have the masculine and the feminine. But one of the big things for me, has it been about slowing down and observing these things around me? So in this particular case, I was, it was a conference actually that was on a cruise ship and I couldn't really sleep because it was just, the whole event was a bit chaotic and exciting and there was so much to do. And I woke up really early one morning and this guy comes out of this doorway on a hallway and I honestly didn't even think there was a doorway there. So some, there's some <laughs> yeah. moments where I was like, is this guy for real? <laughs> Handsome guy comes out. We end up going and taking this dance class together, which is hilarious too. There were so many aspects of the day that were just funny, but I was so in the flow and I just went with it. And we really connected deeply and stayed in touch and he lives very far away. And... About a year later, we happened to both be in Spain at the same time and ended up seeing each other for one evening in Spain. And then another year passes and he was supposed to be coming to Los Angeles and I, we were going to spend some time together. I was so excited and his visa had expired. And so it was at the last <laughs> minute. It was very sad. And then he sa- I said, well, it doesn't have to be in Los Angeles, whatever. You, when, the, what if we meet somewhere else? And he said, do you want to come to Sri Lanka in August? I didn't even really know where Sri Lanka was. <laughs> in truth, now I do. Yeah. Um, and immediately I said yes and just fully went with it. And and people definitely thought I was insane. Yeah, probably not something you normally would not do. Not at all. That's I so mean, great. and by the way, it's one thing to go for a long weekend with someone, you know, upstate 
you know, that's, that seems very manageable. But yeah. this person that I'd spent a total of less than 24 hours with, I decided to go away with for 10 days to Sri Lanka. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I made zero plans. He did everything. So there was mm. a lot of just completely giving in and a major leap of faith. And I had the most amazing time, and it was truly magical, and and it went deep. I mean, we really connected on a lot of levels, and and it was so intense. It felt like a honeymoon, honestly. I haven't been on a honeymoon yet, but <laughs> I feel that this was as close to a honeymoon as it could have been without it being an actual honeymoon. And the thing that was crazy is that we then said goodbye, and I probably will never see the guy again. But that's the perfect example of we can't always have in our mind this expectation of how things are supposed to be. Sometimes you do just have to let go and let live. And I love that you have, imagine in a relationship, the worst case scenario. If you're worried and you're fretting about it, just imagine the worst case scenario. If it doesn't work out, are you going to survive? <laughs> yes, yes, you're going to survive. Exactly. So let go and have a good time and to heck with it. Yes. You know, enjoy it. It's so because, true. Because it's the moments in life. You know, we all want a certain plan and yeah. a path and we want to think it's going to be a certain way. But the older we get, the more we realize it's those moments of happiness and joy. Because the one thing you can count on is life. It's going to change. It can be great one minute, and two weeks from here now, you're going to have some other issue you might be dealing with. So embrace it. I'm glad you had that experience. Yeah, (laughs) me too. I will never look back with any regrets on that one, let me tell you. You're going to have more because (laughs) now you've opened. I feel like this book and just meeting you, I feel like this book has opened your your Mm. heart. It's opened my heart Mm. even, just reading it. So it's got some power for powerful stuff in it, ladies. You're going to have to read it to get all 21. But I want to ask you another thing. If you were giving a TED Talk today, I know you gave one four years ago. Mm. I guess maybe it's a little more now. If you were giving one today, what two practices would you recommend women to implement right away into their daily habits to start creating that powerful feminine action in their life? Mm. Wow. Thank you for putting me on the spot. (laughs) It's all good. So good. So the, the most obvious that comes to mind is really to own your power of observation with yourself. So really start observing how you're showing up in the day to day, where you feel great and where you don't feel so great. So as an example, I can sit in a meeting sometimes and maybe I have to toughen up in order to manage a client or have a hard conversation with an employee. And I'll leave and I'll think, hmm, maybe there was another way to deal with that. Or maybe I could have brought more grace to that situation. And those are the learning moments. And if I weren't paying such close attention and I weren't thinking about this 24-7, I probably wouldn't be as aware of it. But now Mm. I am. And equally aware of when something happens and I go, you know what? The reason that unfolded the way it did is because I sat back and allowed. You know, I used, I, I, you know, we talk about seduction in the book and that seduction is not just about using things strategically to gain sex. It's also about sometimes sitting back and operating in a way that allows things to unfold so then you can then mm. make your move. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I do think it starts with paying attention. And we talked about that in the context of intuition. We talked about it in the context of sensitivity. So thematically, I think it's really about starting to use your, your innate gifts of observation. And then the second 
practice, I would say, is really about slowing down and pausing. And that goes hand in hand with the observation piece. But I talked about the being versus doing. And it's allowing things to unfold sometimes. It's not always about like getting in there and making things happen. And it's about creating the space for that. And sometimes that's, you know, one of the things I've been doing a lot more of is spending time at home. And I'm an ultra planner and I like, I'm very social and I like doing things all the time. And yet what is really important right now is for me to actually stop planning every single second and allow myself to just take care of myself and spend time alone and whether that's meditating or reading or just even kicking back and watching TV and just not feeling like every second is full. Because by the way, in terms of my desire to find my love, how is he, I mean, he's probably not going to find me at my house or dance class or the office where the places I spend the most time these days. But um, the truth is I know that I need to create space for it. So yeah, you'll draw it. You'll draw it to you. Well, you know, you also talked, and of course, having a journal, we love this, about mm. the power of writing things mm. down. Yes, there's no question about it. And actually, that's a, there's a specific technique that my doctor, Dr. Habib Sadegi, who we quote in the book a few times, and he's my medical doctor, but also a spiritual guide in my life. He has a technique called Pew 12, purged emotional writing, and it's for 12 minutes. So literally, and I cannot recommend this highly enough because it's a game changer, Literally, it's about taking 12 minutes, and you could do it daily. Sometimes you could do it more than once a day if you need to, and you just free write, and you just, whatever is on your mind, you could be working through a specific challenge, you could be super frustrated with a person, get it all out. You don't even need to look, it doesn't need to look nice because you're never going to read it again. So just unload for 12 minutes, and then you burn it. I love it. Oh, you burn it. You burn it. And it's incredible. It's like it all just dissipates. Yeah, it's really a game changer. Yay. Thank you for that. Well, you know, I think back, you know, in the day before computers, we did, you know, we wrote letters to people. Mm -hmm. And I remember I would write, you know, a letter and be all mad. And then you crumble it up and throw it in the trash (laughs) can. So I would say that's actually a a lost art. Yes. So here you go. Because we put it in our computers and it stays forever. (laughs) I know. But we do need to get rid of things. Well, we always like to ask our, our guests what you do to stay, obviously, really, I think what you're doing to stay ageless in mind and spirit, you did in this book, <laughs> but what other things do you do to stay ageless in mind and spirit? So I do talk about dancing in the book, but I picked up dance about two years ago. I danced as a kid, but not seriously, because my best friend in high school is a great dancer, and I was like, oh, she's a dancer, I'm not a dancer. But then two years ago, I started dancing religiously. And what kind of dancing? With it, Um, I take a lot of jazz and lyrical classes, and a little bit of hip hop, uh, all choreography classes. And it's incredible because when you're learning choreography, literally your brain cannot be focused on anything else. So it's the best way to stop time from happening, you know. And I I feel like a new person after a dance class. So that's a huge priority for me. I do meditate. I take baths every night before bed. And that's really important on a number of levels. But I actually think about how it's washing off the energy from the day. And I've been really around a lot of people these days, yeah. more than ever. And so in a way, and their energy is coming at me in good ways and sometimes maybe not, I don't know. But just 
washing it off and creating like a clean slate before going to bed is amazing. Well, you just talked our language because Lana yeah. does a bath every, every night, night and I'm a crazy dancer. I love to dance. I've danced <laughs> really? My, my mother was a, da- a dance teacher. Wow. So anyway, this was and, great. And the other thing you loved is that when you talk about glamour in this book, <laughs> her mother is the epitome of that. She's 82 years old, or isn't she yes. 82? And she still wears her heels. Mm. She's gorgeous, and she's a she's a doer, and she's a go getter. You know, strong woman. But boy, she can still she appreciates that glamour, mm. and it makes her feel good. It yes. makes her feel yes, well. it does. And Great. she's still dancing. That's yes, amazing. She's still, and and that, cor- I dance class and choreographed. You know, back That's to amazing. That, we've had all these people on the show about Alzheimer's, and again. You have to do something different. The podcast has done that for me mm-hmm. because I wasn't writing copy all the time and doing all of these things before in my in my design business. So I'm working a part of my brain. You're working a part of your brain, whether it's music, dance, whatever, learning to play chess, whatever. You need to work a different part of your brain to yeah. really get that exercise. It's so true. So that's great. you got to create a break. Well, Amy, we just want to thank you so much. It's been such a... A positive, right way to look at being a woman and allowing us to tap into our feminine superpowers, as you mm-hmm. say, and make our life happier. So I just really love that you're encouraging us not to be something that we're not and mm. to be authentic. So thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Yes. I truly would have loved to talk all day with I you. I know too. we could have too. We just—it's like I'd like to talk about every every tw- all twenty-one, but we know it's Friday and a busy day for yes, you. Yes, and we, we want to make sure to ask people where to find out more about the book. Mm. So we have a website, femininerevolutionbook.com, and then we're on social media at Feminine Revolution Book. And we'll put all those links in our show notes. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks again, Great. Amy. This episode is brought to you by the Ladies Roadmap Journal. Is your life on autopilot? To Jamie, I think to have excitement in life, you have to stay curious and keep chasing your dreams. Exactly, Lana. And that's why this self-care life planning journal, it's, it's unlike any journal you've ever used before. It's so easy and it's a way to get clarity on your thoughts and intentions. Think of it as a way to jumpstart your day, or you may want to wind down your day by getting those thoughts rolling around on paper and out of your head. My favorite part is getting clear on the one thing that I want to accomplish today, and I love focusing on my gratitude for the day. That's the feedback we've been getting from the ladies that have been using the journal. They've been sharing on how the journal is affecting their lives in such a positive way. Well, we created this journal because like you, all we want to do is live a fulfilled life and stay ageless in mind and spirit. Watch your life unfold as you align and direct your intentions. To get started today, purchase your life planning journal at ladiesroadmap.com. If you want to stay up to date with our five-star podcast, be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll never miss an episode and you'll see our latest tried and true lifestyle products. You can sign up at ladiesroadmap.com. And ladies, if you like our show, please take a minute to subscribe and rate our podcast because it's super important so that other women can easily find the show. You can do it on iTunes, or to make it even easier, we've put a link in the show notes on our website.